And what had happened is I booked a TV show from China that sent me to Iceland. And you're like, oh, this is awesome. I'm in Iceland, you know? I came home from Iceland. I, I made like three and I put them up on YouTube. Got a little feedback or whatever. And then I sat on it for a little bit. And then I realized that everything that goes with YouTube has mm-hmm. coincided with me as wanting to be an entertainer. I can do this every week and I don't have to knock on any doors for free without an audition, go out, do the stuff I want to do. Welcome to the Geopets podcast, an audio experience to scratch your cultural curiosity itch with three different themes shows, virtual expats, bookish expats, and changing scripts. Today's episode is a virtual expats show where we discuss how moving to different countries affects what we do online as expats or geopats. A few money announcements first. If all of this talk about podcasts is inspiring you to make your own, you can get a free month of Podbean hosting services by using this promo code podbean.com forward slash virtual expats. Don't forget the S. I'm saying this because I find them to be an incredible podcasting host. Uh, Their customer service, their promotions of independent podcasters, and the ease of use of their product are three giant reasons why I have stuck with them for, I think, about a year and a half now for what was three podcasts and which is now one, which is the Geopats podcast. I love Podbean. They're adaptive, they're innovative, and they're very, very talkative to their customers. Podbean.com forward slash virtual expats. You get a free month. So even if you're not sure if you want to start a podcast, start it. It's free. I am also starting a beginning expat podcasters online two hour workshop this fall. I will have them once a month and they'll be two hours and they're online and I'm going to start with only four people in the room. I want it to be a resource dump of many of the things that I found online that I think will help folks and it's also going to be some discussion on decisions you have to make as an expat that you don't have to make if you're just from and in the same country. And I'll tell you what those are in the workshop. Let me know if you're interested in that and I'll pass on more information to you. I am also selling my voice. (laughs) No, really. If you or anyone you know needs a voice over talent or needs a voice for your project or business, please contact me. Go to my profile on voices.com. It's voices.com forward slash actors forward slash Steph Puccio. The links to absolutely everything in this episode are going to be down in the show notes. They'll also be at geopats.podbean.com. What I'm not charging for in these episodes are the promo spots. Those are free to content creators that I like and that I actually consume their content. And I also try to fit them into the theme, the country, or some way, shape, or form to what we're talking about on a particular episode. In this episode, we chat with Danny Soleil. He is an actor that got frustrated by the gatekeepers in the entertainment industry in the U.S., So he did what many expats, including myself, do, and he changed countries to increase his range of opportunities. And it worked like a charm, as it often does. Not only did he get a lot of acting work during his six years in China, but he started his own YouTube channel, Travel Man Dan, as well. In this episode, we dive into how his online activities changed when he made this move from the U.S. to China and back. He's back in Los Angeles now. Well, at least his home base is back in Los Angeles now. No matter where Danny was geographically or virtually, his positive attitude, hard work ethic, and patience to build his dream one step at a time is inspirational. It's something that I am getting better at by watching him 
progress and methodically plan out his online career, his acting career. He's truly amazing. After Denny left China to return to Los Angeles, he did not stop traveling either for work or for pleasure. Danny and I had this conversation in this episode in late January 2019, thus the reference to Chinese New Year in the beginning of the episode. Since then, Danny's YouTube channel, which was only six months old when we talked, has increased to over 2,200 subscribers and over 100,000 views, and I know why. It's fun. Most recently, he traveled to Denmark, Latvia, and Lithuania to film some really fun episodes. They'll be coming out in the next few weeks, he says, but he sent us some pictures that we're going to post in the promo for this podcast episode, and those are a preview of the videos, and oh my gosh, I want to desperately go to these locations now. They are gorgeous. So you can follow Danny on all of his socials, and there's a lot of them because like many content creators, he is paying attention to where his audience might be. Those are listed in the show notes. They're also listed on his YouTube channel, Travel Man Dan. If you just search for Travel Man Dan, you will find him. If you have any comments or questions about this Virtual Expats Geopat podcast experience, please feel free to connect with me on any social media platform. Steph Fuccio, it's S-T-E-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O. Let's get to Danny. Thank you so much, Danny, for joining us on Virtual Expats today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you. Greetings from China. I was super excited to hear that you had lived here before, so I can't wait to hear about your experiences. Happy New Year to everybody. It's uh, Lunar New Year. Yeah, it's Lunar New Year and Year of the Pig, which is my year. And if you were born in 1971 and you're as old as me, it's your year. That's awesome. Yeah, this is your year. This is your year. Make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) So for the Instagram folks on my end, hey guys, I'm going to broadcast the first few minutes of a virtual expat interview with Danny. Now, Danny, your last name is Saleh. Saleh. It's Saleh. S-A-L-A-Y. Sweet. And here's Danny right here. We're on a Zoom call. Hi, Danny, wave. What's up, guys? How are you doing? I don't even know. I got four cameras. I know, right? Hey, it's the kid. Oh, dude. I got solo man. What up? Shout out to you, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> I've got steady Chinese. I, it's funny because I have three different podcasts. So I have some language stuff and some expat stuff. And But folks just seem to come over onto different projects. So it's pretty awesome. No, it's so, great. Cross- yeah. Well, first, can you quickly introduce yourself? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, my name is Danny Soleil. I'm originally from Kenmore, New York which is a suburb, small. It's actually called the village of Kentmore and mm-hmm. just outside of uh, Buffalo, New York. So if you know anything about geography in the United States, everybody knows Buffalo is a cold, snowy place. So, But um, the people are really good. I come from a great family. And now I am currently living in Los Angeles, pursuing my acting career here in Los Angeles and pursuing my YouTube creator putting stuff out, traveling around the world as my life as an actor. And yeah, that's a briefly a little bit about me. Awesome. And what we do on Virtual Expats, and by we, I mean I, what we do is, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. you know, yeah. is we kind of map somebody's geographical trajectory and their online presence and see if they affect each other. When folks move around, do they do different things online? So with that in mind, can you give us a brief overview of from New York, outside of the country, what has your overseas experience been? Yeah. You know, 
my overseas experience was wonderful. I mean, I, I really can't say I could have had a better time. Before I had went, I've always dreamed of going to China. And yeah, what up, goalie from Duff's? How you doing? I know who you are. And I just always dreamed of going to China. I really wanted to go there. I was really into Kung Fu movies growing up as a kid. It was very uh, mystical and, and just something about China attracted me. And I went over there with the hopes and dreams of becoming an actor over there. I, I, one of my dream goals was actually to work with Jackie Chan and go over to China. I used to drive my friends crazy and stuff. And, you know, I just needed a break. I was having a long go at it in Los Angeles. And I thought maybe going over to China would be, you know, just a good time to do it. And finally, I just went. I just went to China and I signed up. I stayed for a year. I ended up staying for six years. I loved it. Yeah. I signed up on a one-year contract to go over and teach English and just take a break from the acting scene here in Los Angeles, see what I could do over in China. Signed up for a year, ended up staying six years. I couldn't, you know, I just couldn't imagine the success and just the life that I had over in China. Just an, an amazing time, both teaching and acting. Where in China were you? You said you were in Shanghai. Was that the whole time or? No, actually my trajectory for being in China went like this. I was signed on a contract to go right over to Guangzhou, which is some people might know it as uh, Canton, mm -hmm. uh, the Southern city. It's another massive city. I ended up working at a school there for the first year. And then I got promoted to another small city called Foshan. And those of you that know China will kind of understand this, but Foshan is about an hour outside of Guangzhou, another really, they call it a small city, but it's 11 million people. How is right. that small, you know? Right. So that was kind of cool. And then after three years in the two combined cities going back and forth, I was actually offered a scholarship by the Chinese government to move to Shanghai and study my master's degree at the University of Shanghai Sport. Yeah. So that's when I moved to Shanghai and I stayed there for three years. So it was really exciting for me. I got to see, you know, a lot of parts of China that a lot of even Chinese people still come up to me and say, wow, you've seen more stuff than I have. Because once I started getting more involved in the movies, I really started traveling China. Right. Oh, I bet. Oh, my gosh. So yeah, it was six years and it was between Guangzhou, Fushan and Shanghai. That's amazing. What was the master's in? <laughs> so my master's degree was at a sport university. Yeah. And if you know anything about Chinese education, it's basically, I think that the sports schools are, are separate. And so this school offered a program it's called Wushu for cinema, basically mm -hmm. Kung Fu for the movies. <laughs> so, so cool. It, oh my yeah, gosh. <laughs> it, was, it was like, I mean, it just couldn't, I couldn't have planned it any better. So a friend of mine who is actually a kickboxer, he actually was the one who introduced me to it, my boy AJ, and he introduced him to me and he went up there for Sanda, which is a Chinese kickboxing style. Mm -hmm. Since I was an actor and I thought, oh, cool, this is my end to Chinese movies. This is it. Mm -hmm. Like, let's go, let's go. And, you know, as they say, the rest was history. It was awesome. That's now, amazing. I didn't complete the master's degree. I finished three of the four years over there. Four years the, for a master's. Wow. Yeah, because what they do is the first year they make you take a language immersion class, oh, which, was, okay. which was really interesting because mm -hmm. a lot of the Chinese I had already learned three years prior to that mm -hmm. 
was just basically being covered. And to be honest with you, I didn't give it my all. I didn't really, I learned more talking to taxi drivers, hanging out with people, having some beers and, and just enjoying Chinese culture than I actually did in the university because right. I would go to school and then a movie or TV show would call and it's like, okay, do I, I want it to work. I want it to go and try Chinese sets and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I worked a lot. So yeah. Wow. Holy cow. Okay. And can we put some dates on this? When did you first move to China and when did you leave? Okay. So I first moved there in February, 2010. Yeah. And I came home 2016. It's funny. I came home 2016 and I was home for, I was, Came home in the September or something like that. I forget. I was home for three weeks and then a really big director, a really big movie had called me back. It was called Dao Mu BG, which, which is, yeah, it's a movie called Time Raiders. And it was this huge epic sci-fi. They wanted a mercenary. Yeah. And so I ended up going back to China like a month later and staying <laughs> for two months and just finishing out the year. Oh my God, what an amazing, what an amazing, amazing China story. Holy cow. You yeah. have stories for days having been here for six years and traveled around and all of that. But let's yeah. focus on the onlineness of this. So let's backtrack a bit. Other than China, were there other places outside the US that you traveled or lived for any long stretch? Yeah, I mean, super long stretch like China, no. But I was in 2000, I graduated and I went into the United States Peace Corps. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with that. And I worked in what's called, at that time, it was called the Washer and Health Sanitation. And basically what I did is I was a well digger in Zambia. Mm -hmm. If you don't know where Zambia is, it's in the center of Africa, right below the Democratic Republic of Congo. It was really cool. I was over there for four months. Mm -hmm. It's a two-year volunteer contract but I had gotten injured. So they removed me from the country because you're out in the middle of the jungle. I mean, when I'm telling you, Stephanie, it was mud hut, no running water, no electricity. Like, wow. I mean, it, it was the reason it sparked my motivation to come to Hollywood. And if you ever see this, and I, and I really feel like after I saw what I saw in, in Africa and I returned, I said, now what do I do in my life? You know? And, and I said, you know, it's not, the people and the opportunity that we have here in America as Americans and whatever, it's better than other places. Let's just say that. So I just figured, you know, if my struggle out in Hollywood takes 20 years, it takes 20 years or whatever. That's, that's what, what it I, is. Yeah. Because there's still people out there in places like Zambia and places like all over these third world countries that may just, just never get that opportunity that I have. So I came out here and tried it shortly after that. I spent some time in South Africa, you know, as far as like traveling, I, I've been all over Europe. I've never been to South America, which I really want to go to. <laughs> and uh, hopefully this year. And, you know, I spent when I was in China, man, we, we would go to Thailand on the weekends. Like, you know, I went to a lot of countries in Asia. Okay, fantastic. All right. So let's go back, 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 back in time. And not just overseas, but just in general. When in your life do you remember the internet becoming a huge part of your life? Like when did you start waking up and checking, uh, probably not a phone yet, but like checking your computer immediately? Or when did you think, oh man, I really want to get online and do this? I mean, when did it become an integral part of your life? I would say that the first time that I probably remember using the internet would have been somewhere in the very late 90s, maybe mm -hmm. 98, 99. Okay. When 
I, I don't know if you remember Yahoo Chat. You remember oh, when that? Of course I do. Yeah, I was a Yahoo girl for years. <laughs> yeah, and it was, to me, it was like just mind blowing and fascinating that you could like. First of all, at that time, the laptop. I don't remember 100, percent but the laptop was really expensive, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like in its infancy, like the cell phone. So people didn't have laptops like they do now. Everybody has one. So we had to go to the computer room at our college. Mm-hmm. And I went to a very small college, North Carolina Wesleyan. And I just remember being in there right around 98, 99, like Yahoo chat. What do you mean? I can talk to somebody in another country or another city and like logging in and just, you know, meeting people. And like, it was just really fun. It was fascinating to me. So I would say probably about 98, 99. That's so funny you said that. I've talked to a lot of people who just, their lives just kind of blew open when a lot of those chat functions came up. And I was definitely one of them too. Like my friends were trying to message me and I'm like, but I'll see you tonight. I want to find new people (laughs) that are in different places. And like you, I was like, what country are you from? What country are you from? And I was like, you know, just kind of exploring like that. Oh, it was, it was fascinating. Like I tell kids now that, you know, these days I, I, I work in some schools and stuff and I tell kids like, no, back in my day. And I hate to be that guy. Like, Oh, back in my day, you know, like, but no, it was really, really cool because nowadays, you know, Instagram, Facebook, anything you want, da da da, this app, this app can connect you anywhere in the world. But when it first started happening, and like, I was like, oh, what do you mean you could talk to somebody in, you know, China or Africa, or, you know, and it was just like, wow, it was, it was exciting. That was an exciting time. And, and then Y2K came out and everyone was freaked out. <laughs> and then nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. This is this is not a can of beer. This is a can of Perrier. I don't, I don't <laughs> care. We're marked explicit because occasionally we throw some curse words around. And I just don't want to deal with it. So don't even don't even hold <laughs> back. Whatever happens, happens. Okay, so you were in chat rooms first. And what were things that you did those before you left for Zambia? What were the things that you did the most online or whatever was in existence in social media in two thousand? In 2000, I really wasn't active on social media. I, I don't even remember what there even was. I mean, if there even was anything. I remember in the early 2000s, MySpace. Mm-hmm. That was probably the only mm-hmm. social media I kind of remember, right. which I still to this day love MySpace because the thing I like about it was when you went to somebody's page, you, they had a song and the song would play the track. Mm-hmm. And like you could pick the different song that you would go to. So you could always update your song and stuff and like whatever mood you were in, you could like put that song on and people mm-hmm. would check out your MySpace. And yeah, I remember one time I met Tom in LA and that was like a big thing. Tom, <laughs> uh, Tom. Yeah. Do you remember Tom from MySpace? No. He always, Tom was that one friend that friended everybody. Oh, right, 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 right. He was your starter friend. Yeah. I remember this. <laughs> he was kind of like this, you know, the picture. Tom was an actual person. Yeah, that was an actual person. Oh, and and I, <laughs> I met him. I was working at a nightclub at the time and he was just there and it was like the, the explosion of it. And they're like, that's yeah. Tom. And, you know, shook his hand. Yeah. And, you know, that, yeah. you know, it was very exciting at that time. because That's really funny. Considering what you said about how remote where you were living in Zambia was, I don't know if this uh-huh. next question is going to be relevant, but were you online when you were in Zambia? If so, no, okay. not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Zambia, like it, there was, like I said, the, now there was a Peace Corps house and, um, and I was still going through training. Mm-hmm. So we were just getting, what you do is you go through like a three month onboarding phase mm-hmm. of like, you learn your technical skill, you learn your language, you learn cultural like things. 
So there really wasn't any of that technology available. Now, I didn't stay there long enough, but when you like, there was one house that was kind of like for the whole region. Mm-hmm. And there, were, I heard there was a computer at the time, but like, this was like, when I was in Africa, I was like, all right, this is it, man. There's like, you, this is, I got my hands, my legs, you know, everything else, you know, everything works. There was no even thinking about with social media or anything like that. What did you find that you replaced the time you were spending in chat rooms? What did you replace it with while you were there without access to that? Living, man, like living in the moments, you know, just going out and, and walking around and hanging out. Like, you know, for me, I, I don't know how it is, but I don't need much. You know, I, I just don't. I don't need social media. So I, like, I love it and I use it for my business and for my brand, as my YouTube. But I don't necessarily need it. And certainly back then, I didn't need it. So I played sports with the kids and talked around fires and conversations. And like, to me, that was like really kind of cool because it, it brought back life to its most simplest form. And let me tell you, the Zambian people were very, very happy and friendly, you know, just because they didn't have these things that we think we need. They were just as happy as ever. Exactly. So, uh, you know, that's, that, that was, a, that's really it. Yeah. So between Zambia and China, were you back in the U.S.? Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I came home from Zambia and like that 2000, like sometime a few months later, Yeah. you know, had my mind set in Hollywood. I was like, all right, dude, you know, like I said, like those people, you know, they really opened my eye. The most important word to me would be perspective. You know, mm-hmm. I saw the perspective. I, I just saw it. I don't know what it was. I was like, I'm going to go to Hollywood. I'm going to bust my ass as an actor somebody's going to pick me, whether that's <laughs> right away or later or whatever. You know, there's training. I joined the school. I learned mm-hmm. how to do it. I started as an extra for a year and yeah. just learned the, the business of acting. Like, oh, okay, that person does this and he does that and she does this mm-hmm. and she does that. And that was important. But I stayed for a little bit to get some money and then I, I was out to Hollywood. I'm your typical, like, I drove a big old hoopty jalopy car, my best friend. Like we broke down a few times, but we made it to Hollywood. And, you know, awesome. So after Zambia, you came back to the U.S. and to New York, and then you did that long trek over to Los Angeles. Yeah, I went to North Carolina, actually. North Carolina, yeah. Yeah, I was in North Carolina where I was, I had gone to school. And, and, and a funny story is like, I got an invite to an open call for uh, the Florida Marlins because I was a baseball player. And then me and my friends were like, yeah, let's do it. You can try out. And then if you make it, great. But if you don't, we can go on spring break. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was like, it sounds like a plan. So yeah. we, I ended up going to the Marlins, like open call training camp. Um, I felt like I did good, you know, but I got cut like, I want to say the second day, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. then as I was driving back up to New York after spring break, I stayed in North Carolina, just called mom and was like, hey, mom, I'm going to stick here for a little bit. Worked for a little bit as a trainer, and then I got some money and, and went out to Hollywood. And that's oh, cool. Okay, yeah. so we're only a few minutes in, Danny, and already you've told me you were an actor, a baseball player, and a teacher. Was there anything you haven't done in your life? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. I haven't, I've never been married. <laughs> that's that a big, big Never yeah. a rush with that. Never a rush. <laughs> I, I enjoy my life. You know, I go out there and I enjoy it. And I'm very passionate about what I do. And, and, and if, I, if it's something I really want to do, I'm, I'm passionate about it. And I, I pursue it. 
one of the things is I learned through sports is, you know, if you want to do it, nobody's going to do it for you, you know, so just keep working at it. I learned how to start and finish things, how to go to practice and, and leave practice and how your coach is like, your, he's your coach, but in life you need mentors. And I found acting coaches and I found people that were just, I don't want to say they were smarter, they were better, they were more educated in the things that I do. Even today, I have acting coaches, I have people around me that, you know, they inspire me, but also teach me. Hey, Steph here. You know who I've learned from recently? And by recently, I mean almost a past year, <laughs> is Heather from Sunshine and Power Cuts. You've probably heard me talk about her quite a bit, especially if, if you've heard any of the podcasts that I've been interviewed on. Uh, she has played a giant role in my podcast development and just in my podcast joy ever since I met her online during International Podcast Day last year. And Heather has two gigantic things that she does. She has uh, Sunshine and Power Cuts podcast, which I'll let her tell you about in just a second. And she also has the Sunshine Summit, where she interviews not just podcasters, but a variety of different content creators. And I'm staring at the sunshinesummit.live website right now. And it has a beautiful, gigantic countdown. And apparently, the summit starts in 10 days, 13 hours, 5 minutes and 27, 26, 25. You get it seconds. <laughs> there are lots of time zones involved, so I'm going to let you go to the website and figure out when the summit is for you. But it is a week-long event in mid-August. Um, and here are some of the people that are going to be on the Sunshine Summit. Uh, Kate from Ignorance was Bliss, Derek from Rolling Misadventures, Dave Lee from International Podcast Day and Waves of Tech. Yay, go Dave! Uh, Chris Green from Gravity Beard and Underdog Pod. Bettina and Nanora from NRI Woman, you've probably heard me talk about them, and you've heard their promo on this very podcast. Chris Curran from Podcast Engineering School. If you think you know about tech, listen to his podcast and learn some more. <laughs> ben Brown from Tourette's Podcast. Crossplay Compatible. Uh, Lisa and Sam from I Shake My Head. Very, very funny podcast. And Geeks Rising Podcast Network, which Heather is one of the people in the network. Also on the sunshinesummit.live site, you can see a lot of the replays from previous years. And full disclaimer, I'm one of them. She interviewed me in March of this year, and it was a delightful experience. So you don't even have to go to multiple places to get an idea of what the summit's about. It's a free online conference with content creators and all the info, info you need is sunshinesummit.live. Okay, so that's one thing. The other thing is her podcast, so I'm going to let her tell you about that right now. Hello, it's Heather from Sunshine and Power Cuts, the podcast that features two types of episodes which alternate. The Sunshine ones offer inspiration drawn from nature, but in the Power Cut ones, I share honest insights into my life living off the power grid in rural New Zealand. If you'd like to check it out, it can be found where good podcasts can be downloaded, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SunPowerPod. Until then, be empowered by nature. So yeah. you know, in 2010, I in Nanjing in 2000, yeah, about 2010, 2011, then I left and then came back in 2017. So we kind of missed each other in China. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I ran into you. I don't know. <laughs> and it's weird to say this in 2019 China, because there's so much tech that's changed in the past few years. But going back to 2010, what were you doing online in China? Okay. So 2010 online, I got to China and, you know, people have the really 
they have a, just a really wrong perception of China after being there. And I didn't look into this kind of stuff because I didn't want to get swayed by this, that, oh, this is, it's like this over there. And it's like this over there. You know what? I'm not listening to you. I'm going from my own experience. So I heard a lot of how they banned everything. They censored everything. I went over there with Facebook and that's it. Maybe, yeah, Facebook. That's it. That's the only thing. It was blocked and which there's nothing I could do about it. This was 2010. Mm -hmm. And what had happened is over the years, as you know, in China, you start meeting other foreigners that live over there that, you know, have, I've met foreigners that live there 20 years, very happy, married, children, all the whole nine yards, just like they would in California. And so what they started teaching me was like, oh no, you know, you can use this and you can use that. And you can, you know, they showed me other platforms and Mm -hmm. Then somewhere around 2013, 14, I went home and I got onto Instagram. But when I went back to China, it was also blocked. So I didn't really use that at all. The only time I ever used it was Thailand, Hong Kong. And that's really about it. And at that time, like 2014 or 15, you had this explosion. I don't know what had happened. It just exploded so fast. I don't even remember the years. And it was this thing called WeChat. Anybody that knows anything about China will tell you WeChat was the one that just like, after that, there was no need for anything. I didn't really, you know, I was in China. I was happy. Everyone I talked to overseas and stuff like that, parents and stuff, I I had other ways of Skyping them. I I used Skype. That's what I used. But WeChat was just so smooth. And it it was just the way that WeChat works is awesome. And yeah, then that's all I used. And now when I go back, I use what's called a VPN, you know, and a VPN will log me on to blocked or banned sites as Facebook, Google, things like that. But once I'm over there for a short time, I don't even use that even more. So I have all the socials now, which is harder because my YouTube channel, it's kind of tough because you've got to be putting stuff out. So yeah, that that's pretty much what happened with that. Let's talk about your YouTube channel. At what point did you start that? Six months ago. (laughs) Oh, wow. Very recent. Okay. Six months ago. I'm, I'm actually very happy with it all because I just, I have 800 subscribers. Wow. Um, Yeah. One of my videos already has, uh, just as, as of last week, like I was getting chipped like 20 or 30 at a time, whatever. This one's got 5,000 views. I'm getting 500 views a day. I just put one out there on the great wall. So that was only in a short time. I'm entering the seventh month. And what had happened is I booked a TV show from China that sent me to Iceland. And I was, yeah, I was filming in Iceland, which was extraordinary. It was unbelievable. And they would basically come to me the night before in the morning and they would tell me if I was shooting the next day. And it got to a point where they're like, oh, you're not shooting for four days. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, this is awesome. I'm in Iceland, you know, <laughs> you know, Reykjavik is small. You can walk around Reykjavik in two hours easily. No problem. So I got this notion of like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go out and make YouTube videos. I'm going to go and I'm just going to go and film me doing vlogs, just film me talking. And I came home from Iceland. I I made like three and I put them up on YouTube. I had YouTube for a couple of years at this point, but I never used it for my personal use. Mm -hmm. I put them up there. I got a little feedback or whatever. And then I sat on it for a little bit. And then I started making a few other ones. And then I realized the power, the impact and the power of that an actor, the marketing strategy, the, you know, everything that goes with YouTube 
has mm-hmm. it coincided with me as wanting to be an entertainer. I love travel. I love being in front of the camera. I love hosting. I love doing acting things. You know, just like all of this was like, wow, dude, I can do this every week and I don't have to knock on any doors for free without an audition, go out, do the stuff I want to do. I know enough behind the camera stuff. My learning curve in front of the camera was very short in terms of like, I wasn't shy about it. I wasn't like, oh, well, look at me. But I needed to learn all the other stuff of YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then my really good friends, Nate and Sergio, they were like, dude, you should be doing YouTube. You should be doing YouTube. They always like trying to like motivate me and stuff. So, you know, I, I wanted to be inspired for them for, you know, just to give it a shot. So, yeah, I, I think those two things, being able to, to be my own boss, as, as you will. And then my, my friends, you know, whispering in my ears about it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So you mentioned when you lived in China, when you first got there in 2010, that Facebook was blocked, Instagram was blocked, and you used other things. What local social media or websites were you using instead? I used QQ. Uh-huh. Did you really? <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It was QQ. It was a weird little penguin. Mm-hmm. And then it had like, 10 numbers or it was like a really long and what happened is like a lot of my Chinese teachers who were wonderful to me mm-hmm. so that's the thing when you're working with locals and stuff it's different but they were very very good to me they always helped me out mm-hmm. they would get me on QQ which is really cool because you can file share huge files on QQ oh I didn't really I think you could still do it I don't know because I'm not there anymore mm-hmm. I also used Baidu mm-hmm. which is China's version of Google. And then I'm sure you've used this one. It's the the one that China Americans love or Western uh, Taobao. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, So hard to explain. It's like Amazon, but like times a million. It's got so much stuff on there. I would order like protein powder and stuff like that, like like stuff for working out. And like the shit would arrive like the next hour if you wanted. (laughs) It's so amazing. Like I was trying to explain last night in an interview how explosive the online buying system is in China now. And the person was like, well, are there any shops left? I'm like, yeah, but people go into the shops more to try stuff on than to actually buy. (laughs) And they're like, what? I'm like, it's hard to explain, but it's just so easy to buy stuff online. You can take photos with the Taobao app. Could you do that while you were here? You could take a photo of something you see and it will search for it. No, I did not know that. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, like I'll be on the train uh, and I'll see a bag and I'll, oh, I like that bag. I'm, and so I'll creepily kind of take a picture of the person's bag and then I'll look on Taobao with that and it'll wow. find similar ones. It's so funny. It's really, That's insane. Yeah, it's it's crazy. That's like, if you like somebody's old, messed up, dirty sneakers and you take a picture <laughs> of them, it would recognize it? To oh a degree. Oh my gosh. I mean, if it, if it can wow. find a match, it'll find something similar. I mean, sometimes it doesn't find the exact one, but it finds it similar. But what I find really good is like sometimes you'll find a product or somebody will give you a product and say, oh, you're looking for bleach for the house. Here's what the character is or here's what it looks like. And then you'll forget how to like type it in or forget how to find it. So you can just take a picture of the product and it will look for it. It's just so easy. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, when I was just in China, I couldn't believe how much everything is on WeChat money. Mm. Everything. They laughed at me when I had cash. Yeah. I don't know what they're... We were just talking about this yesterday. I don't know what they're going to do because they're promoting tourism heavily, but it's becoming more and more WeChat and Alipay digital payments. But what are the tourists going to do when cash is gone? That's a good point. Yeah, that's yeah, a really so, good point. I mean, I, I was a perfect example of them. I went to a bar... And they laughed at me. I gave them 200 RMB for beer. 
and they were like, what's that? I'm like, it's money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it got to the point where I don't know if you've seen it, Shanghai, like the homeless, like peddlers, like they got QR codes yeah. that are laminated. Yeah. And if you want to donate them money, you just go up and scan it. And I was like, wow, mo, wow, wow, wow. So. Not only that, but it killed me when I went to like the local farmer's market or even a tiny street vendor selling fruits or whatnot, and they have a QR code and you try to break out cash and they're like, don't have change. It just yeah, needs that's... the QR code. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's very, very, well, I got to skip over a lot of stuff because they started later digitally and they have like hit the ground running. It's just exploded. Uh, when you were yeah. on QQ, which is like a social media platform in China, were you on there in English, Chinese or both? Both, yeah. I, I obviously I needed help with the. I think you. I think there was a translate button. Oh. It would come in Chinese, and then you would hit translate, and it would like, it would be like in like the Google like translate, you know, where it's like the words are off a little. So yeah. I never got on QQ. I tinker with the idea of getting on Weibo, which I guess is the Twitter equivalent. Yeah. There's so much happening. Every time I log on, I'm just like, I don't, I'm not quite sure where to start. And my language skills are still pretty low. So I don't know. I don't know. How are you on Weibo? No, I'm not on Weibo. But interesting enough, since I posted on my last YouTube channel, a lot of Chinese are now commenting on it. Mm-hmm. And it's which really fun for me because, you know, China's really close to my heart and uh, the people are too. But one of the things the guy mentioned was Billy Billy. Yeah. You know about this one? It's a, what video, is this one? a micro video site. They do like 10 and 20 minute micro videos. And it's so insanely popular. There's a few different video platforms that are like this. It's sort of like, you know, the small videos you can put on Instagram now. It's like an entire yeah. website just of that, of those tiny wow. Yeah, it's insanely popular. I bet if you did snippets of your YouTube channel and put it over there. Oh, even better. Did you ever use UQ, the YouTube equivalent oh. in China? Yoku, is that Yoku, what it's called? Yeah. I've never used it and, and people wanted me to do it when I was over there. But like I said, like how many platforms am I gonna go right. on? And it's like it's you know, it's it's crazy because yeah. cross platforming is really cool and it's really fun. But mm-hmm. at some point you end up on all these platforms and your mind is hurting and then yeah. you don't get the content <laughs> new. But I will say that the minute I'm able to afford a team, I guess mm-hmm. I can say like through either affiliate marketing, merchandising, stuff like this. The minute I can afford someone where I can break them a little cash, I want somebody on the Chinese side so that, you know, they can do the translation and and these different platforms. For sure. There are a fair number of locals. I mean, it's 1.6 billion people, locals, right? There are a fair number of Chinese people who have VPNs and are on YouTube. So if you did a tiny video on Billy Billy that led people over to your YouTube channel, you could probably direct folks over that way if you wanted to. But I understand the plot. Well, that's a good. That's a good. That's a good way to you know try to get them to cross over. Yeah. Because you know, it's hard. You know, one of the things that I found is some people will strictly stay on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Some people will strictly stay on yes. YouTube or Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, people of my generation like Facebook. So mm-hmm. when I post a video, I go to my YouTube, you know, click on my YouTube channel and, and they don't, the concept for them to click on YouTube, mm-hmm. well, then it says I have to sign in and uh, yeah, you have to sign in. And like, so getting people to cross platforms, it's sometimes it's not worth the hassle. You know, why, why, you know, I know, I mean, 
It gets yeah. infinitely worse once you start talking about podcasts. People just freak <laughs> out as if I'm telling them they need to start coding. I'm like, no, it's it's on your phone. Just press a button. It's like YouTube yeah. but without a visual. It's really, oh, actually, I need to use that. It's like YouTube, but not a visual. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah. Yeah, it's really hard. People do get very committed to the platforms that they're on. Very, very committed. Which is, you know, for me personally, like I put it up there. If you want to cross over, cross over. But I'm not going to like tell you how to look at social media or you know what I mean? Like that's your business, you know? So where do you, when you put out a new video, where do you put notifications that it's come out? I put it on, obviously loaded up to YouTube and then I put it on Facebook because there's the share there. Then I put it on Google plus. I just started exploring blogger and Mm. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. I'm hearing good things about LinkedIn, but I'm also hearing things like, like they have a Reddit mentality and mm. like, I like Reddit, but they're just, there's just so many freaking rules to the thing. It's like, I don't want to do, I don't want to screw up on accident. So I just, I stay away from posting on Reddit. Cause I'm scared that that's like, I'm going to get a flag and like somebody's going to get down my throat for, for spamming them. I'm like, dude, I don't know. Somebody told me Reddit was a cool place to post, you know, I know. <laughs> like, I know. it's like, these guys are, crazy about it man like i don't serious yeah 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 i mean i'm one like on the learning mandarin chinese side people keep referring me over to reddit and subreddits and i'm not even completely clear what the hell a subreddit is and i go over (laughs) there and i hear people and the seriousness and i see them reposting and posting the rules and i'm just i'm like you i'm like i don't know I mean, I yeah. like once or twice an episode and I put explicit for the whole episode on the podcast. Like, I just don't want to even deal with breaking rules and getting locked out of a platform. So I'm like, I'm not so sure Reddit's for me, but but there's amazing information there. So it's like the struggle with Exactly, that. yeah. And, and the thing about LinkedIn that I like is mm-hmm. I'm always trying to grow. I'm always trying to move forward. Mm-hmm. And like the people that use LinkedIn are people in the industry. The, they call it the industry, the movie business, the, yeah. the show business, uh, casting people, producers, directors, you know, these people mm-hmm. are professional, you know, working people and they use LinkedIn. And if you can reach out to them by putting it on there, great, awesome. But if, I don't want to piss anybody off. That's yeah. for sure. Exactly. Exactly. I don't want to break the rules, but they're so different from platform to platform that it's just a bit Platform fatigue is real. That's just what I'm going to say. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm totally with that. And I, you know, and then, so after I edit a video, I've just now, what I'll do is I'll make the video between 10 and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And instead I was getting longer videos, but mm-hmm. I cut out the food section of each video. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to be releasing two videos a week and I'm going to do food Fridays. So every Friday I'm going to have put a food review. Yeah. So the frequency of me posting. Yeah. And it, it'll be shorter. But what I'll do is also after I'm done editing a full episode of my Travel Man Dan, mm-hmm. I'll shorten it down to a minute of its highlights. And mm-hmm. then I'll have to put that up on Instagram. And they get Instagram gets it about a day or two later, a shorter condensed version mm-hmm. saying, hey, check it out. Hit the link if you want to see the full episode. If mm-hmm. not, they still get to see the minute. I love hearing about behind-the-scenes stuff of how things get made, how things work. And that's what I loved about that bit where Danny and I talk about the the behind-the-scenes kind of social media side of content creation. It is something that as you're consuming content, you may not think about. But once you start creating, 
there's just a barrage of you should and this platform and that platform and it's really intense and that is very much so connected to why I like this next podcast recommendation this is Duck in Games Good morning you beautiful ladies and gentlemen if you're not indifferent to the video games as a medium, as art or just as a way of spending time you probably know how good games are a rare commodity lately I noticed it too and here in Duckin Games Podcast, we try to dig deeper into the understanding of video game design, so that more people will know about good and bad game design practices. And maybe one day there will be more good games because someone knew those practices. Or at the very least, people will stop spending hard-earned money on bad games. So, see you around, guys! The point is, Ducking Games is a brilliant, I'm not kidding you, a brilliant insides view on video games. Now, keep in mind, I am in the process of applying for jobs in a European country. As an American, you understand how difficult that is. I got a job offer, a job, no, I got a job interview offer recently, and I turned it down because I'm not interested in video games. And it was very social media-esque, and I felt like I couldn't do it justice because of my disinterest in video games. Why am I telling you this? Because that's how disinterested I am in video games, is I could have potentially ruined my move to this country because I didn't even want to do the interview to see if I was a good fit for the position. That's how interesting Ducky's podcast is because he goes behind the things in video games that connect to so many other aspects of life. And that sounds vague, so let me give you some examples. Uh, how to make psychos from your players. <laughs> June 2nd, 2019. He doesn't have episode numbers, he just has dates. So how to make psychos from your players is one. And from his own show notes, we all know the stories when players play game the wrong way. Is it really their fault or is it the developer's problem? And what he does in all of these episodes is he picks a different tiny thing about uh, video game creation and he dives into it in a way that's really interesting. He really goes into the psychological aspect of creating video games. And I think that's ultimately very fascinating because a lot of the practices, I imagine, that go into creating video games also are used to create other content digitally and probably otherwise. And to be quite honest with you, a lot of the episodes that I've listened to of his also map out to IRL, that's in real life circumstances that have nothing to do with gaming or anything digital. That's how big picture but niche his podcast is. What? Is that possible? Yeah. Here's two more examples. Examples of a, a plague dream. I'll let you figure out what that one is. June 16th, 2019. And Loop the Builder on July 14th, 2019. And that one goes into building in the loop so people keep playing the game. Okay, and speaking of games, let's get back to Danny Soleil and the content creator game. All right. Yeah, probably not the best transition ever. Hey, man, I'm trying. And how did you learn all of this stuff? Is that just from being in the industry or you watched a lot of videos about how to do it and how to edit it and all that kind of stuff? 
a little bit of both, you know, like, like obviously the bulk of it in front of the camera is, mm-hmm. is my acting experience up on stage and, and behind the camera as a, as a film actor. Mm-hmm. And then I found these really cool guys. They're called video influencers. It's basically this guy, Sean Cannell, Benji Travis, mm-hmm. and the, Heather Torres. And they put out YouTube videos and video influencers, and they got another called Think Media. And they wrote a book called YouTube Secrets. Oh, cool. And, um, man, this book is just like really, yeah, it's really good. I, I, I don't have it. Where the hell is it? It's around here somewhere. But I read it. I got inspired with them. And then I became part of their community. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of their stuff is you learn from other people. I don't know how to do this YouTube thing. You, you find out SEO words and video ranking and like all this stuff that like, like I thought people just get paid off of YouTube ads. That's not how it works. It works for some people, but there's like 13 strategies of how to get paid off of YouTube. Whoa. And I learned a lot through, the, yeah, like yeah. affiliate marketing, merchandising, just, just a lot of different stuff. So yeah. a combination of just, really really being i guess in charge of your own career driven all these kinds of like i call them poster words you know those posters where it would be like success and then it would tell you about like that like if you have that as a creator and you have those words inside you you have to drive your you know always going to do it for you you got to go and you got to wake up and you got to immerse yourself in reading it listening to it watching it and just kind of you know learn and I think it's really cool, though, with all the creation stuff that's happening online, though, because, I mean, if you think back pre-internet, when people wanted to create, they created generally, unless you were doing like a play or something that's visible, they were creating in a solo, isolated space, and then they would try to get it into the world. What's really cool about happening now on on YouTube and in podcasting is people are creating, putting it out to the world, and there's immediate interaction that's happening and I just, for me, that's probably one of the reasons why I didn't give up so soon or just kept going because that interaction, that knowing that somebody's there and they're, they're liking what's happening, that's really, really motivating for me to keep going. Yeah, it's interesting that you said that because for me, when I was learning how to do YouTube, obviously I could get my camera. You don't even need a camera. You can do it on your phone. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, oh, yeah. And, yeah, and you start doing it. I would like comment on people, other people that I liked very positive, optimistic, optimistic thinker. Mm-hmm. Like it's good to send people good vibes, you know? Mm-hmm. And then these people would comment back to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh shit. Okay. All right. Well, this is how it. And then talking to other YouTubers, like people that are very successful, like the video influencers guys and think media and stuff like that. What they said to me was, you know, you're an actor or something. Some of them, so it got convoluted. I forget what it was, but you know how hard it is to talk to like Emma Stone or Ryan Gosling, like these people are A-list actors. And like, even I've worked with some of them, it's really hard to like get on a personal level. But the cool thing about YouTube and like you were saying is you can, you can join a community and be part of watching someone and you can watch all the episodes and and comment back and, and, you know, like be part of this community. And it's really cool. And like, I was, we were both going live. I was saying hi to people that I know, people that I didn't know. Um, commenting and that's cool man that's 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 inspiring to me i agree i agree the ability to reach people that you have a common interest with whether no matter what level they are at in the field industry interest topic area is just so condensed yeah. so accessible yeah i was gonna say the thing about accessibility too is i mean anybody you want now listen if you're an actor 
I don't suggest you doing this, but like casting people and things like that, like anybody, it used to be like, man, this was the hardest office to get into and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But like, you can literally go to their Instagram and message them or their LinkedIn and stuff like that and message them. Like, I don't suggest doing that because their workflow is professional. Right. And do you want to look like a Hollywood lunatic or do you want to look like a professional actor? So don't go and do that. That's not cool. But, but like other professions, like you can literally like, you know, Google somebody, look at their Instagram, you know, find out a little bit about it. You know, like that's cool, man. Like that's a, sourceful thing like mm -hmm. yeah i know that office they cast for this show and this show and this show you know that's cool yeah so neat so neat well let me ask you this from all you're moving around in and outside of the u.s do you think that what you were doing online social media email websites the whole thing do you think it changed when you changed geography or do you think you just kept going with most of the same stuff no it definitely changed it absolutely changed like I don't use WeChat that much. Mm -hmm. I use WeChat hits me up in the morning. Ding. You know, <laughs> like a little ping at 3 a.m. Like, like I don't use WeChat as much. I do do it for business as an actor. But mm -hmm. like I said, it's not like I used to. I was on that thing constantly. Here, I use Instagram, YouTube, Facebook a lot. Mm -hmm. Over in China, I didn't use any of them. So that's definitely changed. And yeah, yeah, it's changed a huge amount. Mm -hmm. You know, that... I get, I, yeah, I get inspired sometimes. Sometimes I'll look at, you know, tra other travel vloggers and say, oh, cool, that looks awesome, you know. I didn't do that before. I just kind of stuck on WeChat and, like, mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, doing my social thing within China. You bring up an interesting question that I hadn't thought about before because you've been back to China a few times. So when you go back to places where a certain bit of social media is used, do you find yourself using that again when you're back in that space and then not again after? Absolutely. I mean, it took me literally like a whole two minutes and I was right back on WeChat. Yeah. You know, I, I dumped Instagram, dumped uh, – well, at that time I wasn't fully – I needed YouTube because I need to post – videos you know yeah, so that yeah. was that was a brain buster like how am i going to get this out you know it's because vpn this that and the other thing i was luckily to, able to, to schedule mm -hmm. a video coming out while i was in china before i'd been to china and yeah it's, it's uh but i was right back like you know everyone likes scrolling you just get on the you know oh let's scroll. let's see what they're doing and stuff i do it on instagram i do it on facebook say hello send a couple positive things yeah that was ditch but then i started doing all on wechat that's mm -hmm. instantly instantly when i went back to china <laughs> like oh, right right yeah. wow okay so is there anything online that you'd like to do that doesn't exist yet whether it be on social media or websites or video sites or anything, is there anything that you think, man, I wish I could do this online, but nobody's made this app or this website or this thing? You know what? That's a yeah, that's a good question, but I, I, I think we have it all. I mean, I really, <laughs> I can't imagine. Whenever I think like, oh, that'd be a good app, I just type it in, and people are like, and there, and then shows up in the app store. And it's like already been made, like. So for me personally, I can't think of anything offhand that, you know, that I, I would like to do online. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty pleased with what, <laughs> what the system has given me. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot. Sounds Maybe one day when the, what, you remember like when Obi-Wan Kenobi comes out of R2-D2, like the hologram? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That I'm looking 
for it. When that happens, I'll be, you know, you could, you could talk. To, if I could talk to you, Stephanie, and you were like a little hologram, like this big on my lot, that would be awesome. Super That's, smart people invent that. Oh my gosh. That's when I stop leaving the house and just subscribe to every travel channel known to man. And I'll just be like, I could be anywhere in the world right now. <laughs> that would have be you, amazing. You know, have you seen augmented reality? Augmented reality. There's a lot of virtual reality things, especially in malls. They have a lot of setups where you can go and put on the thingies and that. What? How is vir- augmented reality? Oh, augmented reality is even crazier, man. They got like... Like they'll set up like 360 degree cameras in Sri Lanka and you could like just plop yourself in Sri Lanka, like kind of like Google maps, but you're actually like walking around in real time. Yeah. I'm a, my friend was showing it to me and like, he's like a, like super brainiac in this kind of field yeah. and stuff. And I, I, I was just like, dude, wait, what's going on? You're at the park, but the park is in Tennessee. And like, you know, like he was just showing wow. it to me. I, I, I think it's called augmented reality, yeah, yeah AR or something. Yeah. Wow. It's kind of like virtual. Yeah, it's nuts. It's coming. It's the next thing. <laughs> I mean, when we started having like travel channels on TV and stuff, people started saying armchair travel, people that want to watch it but not go. But I feel like a lot of travel stuff and expat stuff on on social media has kind of inspired people to go overseas instead of having them be like armchair travelers. I feel like it's gotten people out to do stuff. Do you think augmented reality will have that same effect? No, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I don't know how they're going to do it. Once it becomes commercialized, I think it'll be interesting. People will try it. There'll always be your old school people that, you know, will want to go there, but that's interesting because yeah, like, like for me, a lot of inspiration comes off of how accessible I can see other places. Sure. And that's one thing. And then I belong to a girl, like a group, this girl friend of mine, she's a really sweet person. And like we reconnected after years and years in college, mm-hmm. but she has agoraphobia. Do you know what agoraphobia is? Is that so like she has to stay at home? She can't leave? Is that what that is? Yeah. There, yeah. She's afraid to leave and like, oh. like go out from her house. And there's like hundreds of thousands of people affected by this. And like, wow. it's a really, really, you know, it's their life changes, whatever, you know, unfortunately they've maybe had something traumatic, PTSD, some, something mm-hmm. has changed in their mind. So if I can help these people out by watching Travel Man Dan, and they can see it through the eyes of like, oh, cool. That's, you know, I can go to Rome because Travel Man Dan's there. And like, you know, that to me is like, wow, that's inspiring. Like that is a huge thing for me because I'm helping people. Yeah. I'm doing th- something that I want to do. And uh, yeah, it's super inspiring. So, okay. Keeping in mind that we're kind of, you know, overlaying the living overseas experience and the online experience and online presence. What question should I ask future guests of this podcast? What's missing? You know, I'm quite the rambler, as you know, you're, <laughs> you're a really good storyteller is what you are. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. I don't know. Like I would say that we just about covered that. Like all your questions really hit points with me that I can identify, you know, if there could be, I guess Facebook, but then when you come Facebook or YouTube, YouTube or, you know, there, there's that one universal one that everybody should be on, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I think every, I think we have that covered with Facebook, YouTube. Mm-hmm. I think the world identifies with the big three mm-hmm. and that's uh, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. And the, the way that video is moving, everything's moving towards video, you know, mm-hmm. like 
it started with Google and search engines and things like that. And now shit, man, you can just like Google something and it's like, there's a video on it and there's this guy and he's, I don't know, he's from New York, but his voice is gruffly and he's like, oh, check this out. <laughs> he's a, you know. So it's all here. I think pretty much the questions that you ask are really good ones. And yeah, I think it's a good, good valid point. Awesome. Thank you so much. My gosh. Well, holy cow. I can't, honestly, I love food. So I'm really looking forward to your food Friday videos, especially. <laughs> Let's see. The first one will be on uh, Beijing. It's the, have you had the Beijing duck burrito? What? No, I've had the Beijing duck a few times, but I haven't had a burrito. Wait. It's kind of like a you know they 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 use like a rice roll up it's it's good it's really oh, good I'll be sandwich kind of thing no sort of it'll be out on the thirteenth you're looking at a calendar yeah. you clearly plan your videos really well <laughs> no definitely I'm planned until June twelfth wow like, yeah. yeah and you have all yeah, those like, videos done you're just going to release them at different times no I have up until April twenty fourth I have already done and edited. Yeah. And on a schedule, like there's, you know, you have to plan, you know, that's, that's the thing. Like if you put it in plan, no matter what your social media strategy is, I'm still learning. So yeah. as you're learning, it's easier when you plan and yeah. that you have something, you know, already set scheduled. And then all of a sudden the learning becomes a little more cohesive mm-hmm. and like, you're like, Oh, cool, this is great. And I didn't tell you about this, but I have a coloring book coming out. What? It's going to be awesome. Yeah. That's It'll be so awesome. Cool. Uh, yeah so it's going to be a travel man dan coloring book and the thing the thing i'm really excited about is that what i'm doing is i'm not trying to make any money off it i'm not trying to you know benefit myself and profit off it what i'll do is i will give a certain percentage of the proceeds Mm -hmm. towards a fund that will then give children around the world a better educational supplies so say the book is like twenty dollars. Ten dollars will go into the bucket, ten dollars will go through like shipping and handling. Mm-hmm. I want to pay the artist, you know, on a percentage and then travel. Like fees for me to travel. Sure. And then I will travel to say China or Namibia or Honduras. Mm-hmm. And I will find a school within their department of education that really needs, you know, say a thousand dollars worth of supplies. Right. Now me and you are both American and we know that like a thousand dollars barely gets to a, a computer book, you know, mm-hmm. but a thousand dollars to a bunch of kids right. in, in some third world country, like it could be like notebooks, colored pencils, mm-hmm. books, you know, stuff like that they need backpacks mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I will then go hand deliver it there because I was a teacher mm-hmm. and I have that other half is going to be the travel expenses. I will deliver it. I will film it on YouTube. And then if you buy it, you will actually be able to watch your donation happen. So yeah, I got two of the, two of the images done already from the artist. He's in New York, my hometown. Great guy, super mm-hmm. good guy. Going to self-publish it. Probably going to do like a GoFundMe Kickstarter so that, yeah. like I said, this is not for financial gain for me. That will all come later. Somebody will, you know, be inspired and like, cool, let's buy his merchandise. Cool, yeah. let's put him on the show, you know. But this is like, because I was a teacher, I was an educator, I still am a substitute. Yeah, so the coloring book. <laughs> that is yeah. insanely cool. I can't wait to see that. Oh my gosh, you have so many really cool projects connected to all but of Check them. it out. How do you get all of these ideas of these different ways to do your projects? 
you know, no, I don't know. I just, I really want to be overall anything. I want to be an entertainer. I want to be a, like, I want to be in entertainment as a host or an, and an actor. Yeah. And during this journey of life, I want to help out as many people as I can, you know, like I like it. I like helping people. It makes me feel good. Like I don't care driving a really expensive car and living in a big old house. I have no friggin' idea what that feels like. And you know <laughs> what? If I never have it, I never have it. Yeah. But I do know what it's like to help people. Yeah. I do know what it's like to feel good. And that feels good helping yeah. people. Yeah. So my value as a person is still, although I'm not, I'm poor, man. I mean, and, you know, like I don't have much, but I can work at it. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I just have ideas. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's really good. And you don't have to apologize if when you start making, you know, substantial money with your, your products and projects and whatnot, you don't have to apologize for it. I know you're doing a lot, <laughs> but, but I don't need to make money, but you do. You need to make money to live. Yes. And, yeah, and yeah. you don't, I, I think as Americans, we're kind of like, we feel like we've sold out if we start to make a living out of, of something creative. And, you know, that's one thing I've definitely learned in China. Don't apologize for making money. I yeah. can myself. I'm good. I'm happy with it. When I can move my projects into that being my full-time job, if that ever gets there, I'm going to be the happiest freaking person on earth. And I'm not apologizing to anybody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that's, you're right. And the, the thing about it is like, I substitute teach and I work in a museum mm-hmm. to make money to eat while I go on to pursue my acting career. Exactly. And I love it. I love it. But yeah. if I could do 16 hours a day as an entertainer, as oh an actor, it's, it's, I mean, fucking yeah. home runs every time. You know? <laughs> Tell me about it. Oh, I have a super boring day job that I kind of cringe and go to and that it's attached to my visa and it's, I have lovely coworkers and a nice work environment. I don't want to make it sound awful, but it's super mind numbing. And because of that, I can do everything outside. I don't have to, I'm not a teacher, so I don't have to grade anymore. I don't have to lesson plan and put all of my creativity into that. So having a boring day job let's go of all of the stress of having a serious, like intense job that takes up all my energy and I can do anything else after I leave work. And that is beautiful right now. That's the key. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Yeah. Now when that goes away, I'm not crying. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> and I hope a decade to get there, but if not too, but you know, screw it. You got to try. You're going to be, you know, I'm going to be 40 something anyway, you know, like I, I would love to be successful with money. But it isn't to show other people. That's for sure. No, oh, it's definitely not. My ass no. off at it, you know. No, no, no. And I, yeah. I definitely don't need. I don't need the the cars and the houses and the stuff. I, I just need to not have the day job eventually. That's my main goal yeah. is to do this all the time and to hire people to do the things I hate to do yes. my podcast editing and to do the promotional stuff. I really couldn't care less about. I love connecting. I hate doing. Yeah. And marketing stuff, and letting them know that the podcast episodes are out. I'm like, why aren't you subscribed? You should know it's out. Why do I have to tell you it's out? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I know. Yeah, this yeah. one's I know. It's definitely. Yeah. So happiness is having other people do the stuff I don't like. That's a future goal for me. Cheers to that one. Yeah. Seriously, I don't. Oh wait, I do have a drink. I still have some of my coffee. So cheers. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say, <laughs> I, I teach here in, the, in California. And I have the most lovely students, like, mm. you know, subsequent teaching, yeah. you know, from first grade to kindergarten to oh, uh, high school. Yeah. And oh, wow. Them, do the full yeah, they're, they're yeah. great. They're great. But, I, I, you know, the schools trust me and, uh, I, you know, 
I enjoy it. I got all the different levels. It's it's been a really fun. Yeah. It's better than like the actor waiter or restaurant. I mm-hmm. I, I ran a nightclub for a long time in Hollywood. Wow. And, like after a while, it was fun, but you become a drunk. Mm. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. it's wild, you know. So being with the kids is like the perfect thing while I pursue my career as an entertainer. I love talking. It's not just my life. It's just like I like talking about life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just, yeah, there's a big, big difference when people talk about life as opposed to like what they've done and what they plan to do and inspire and being optimistic as opposed to look at me, look what I got, look, you know, that's all bullshit. And people don't like that. And I hope people will listen to this and be inspired to say, Hey, look, here's a guy who moved over to China his dreams of working with Jackie Chan and he did it. Now he has a YouTube and he's in Hollywood. And like, I can do that too. You know, like you can do it, man. It's hard and it's long sometimes, but you can do it. You worked with Jackie Chan. I did. Yeah. Yeah. It was my, I saw dream accomplished. Oh my God. (laughs) How was he? Probably super nice. I imagine. He is wonderful. He's like the coolest guy in the world. Like I'm not trying to like up my game uh, because I worked with him. I I would never use his name to try to benefit myself, but it was literally like one of the things I used to say before I moved to China. Yeah. I would say to my friends, like, dude, I'm going to go to China. I'm going to be the white guy in all the movies. I'm going to work with Jackie Chan. I'm going to do it, you know? And so I moved over and, you know, years, two or three years later, I ended up working with them. I, I auditioned for them. There's like a thousand Russians hanging out at this hotel trying to audition. I auditioned. I got one of the parts in this movie called Dragon Blade. Yeah. And, and it was a Roman thing. I play a Roman soldier. It was John Cusack, Adrian Brody. And from that, oh. that really, yeah, it really kind of burst open my career as an actor in China because yeah. I met so many good other foreigners, mm-hmm. martial artists, actors, and we all became really good friends. And we kind of like put this huge push on China to like put foreigners in. And like, mm-hmm. we got chances at roles that we never would have gotten in Hollywood. And guys that weren't actors were getting roles and guys that, you know, were martial artists were now in, in speaking and or at least getting, you know, there's like three or four, I know Timor, no, there's like four or five guys that are like, moved on to really big things. Mm-hmm. They're on the Jackie Chan, like full-time stunt team. Another guy, my good friend Tomer is over there all the time. Joel's working, Big Kevin. I mean, there's just two more. They're like all, all working. So yeah. it, it was really that movie that kind of like fulfilled my dream. So no matter how wacky it sounds to people, like, hey, I'm a white guy from Kenmore, New York, and I'm going to work with Jackie Chan in China. It's you possible, it. man. <laughs> it's you possible. It's Where fun. do you go from there? I mean, <laughs> what's your next big goal acting-wise? <laughs> I mean, uh, it's a pretty big I one. I did myself a series regular in Los Angeles mm. on, a, on a well-scripted TV show. That what is my goal. Be, yeah, what would be, like, do you have a specific genre? Do, do you want to do, like, a sitcom? Do you want to do a drama? Like, what Yeah, I have a, I have very specific goals <laughs> I, you know the, the specificity of, of, of did I say that right but yeah I, you know what I mean okay so <laughs> number one would be I really really want to play Lou Gehrig in a full feature I look a lot like him I'm a baseball like diehard I think what happened to him is is a story that is like I mean just imagine yeah. I try telling kids these days imagine like one of these famous athletes ever just becoming sick 
and just like slowly withering away. And like, you know, the, remember the ice bucket challenge and nobody really knew what that was all about, you know, and Lou Gehrig was a prominent figure with the ALS. So the fact that he's a Yankee too, and like, that's my dream role there. Another one would be Dengar, who's a bounty hunter in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> and then I really want to play like a, like a cop like a dirty Harry or like, you know, just a badass, gritty, like son of a gun cop, like just busting bad people going after like that. You know, th those are my three tops. So yeah. obviously I will take anything, but most anything. Yeah. Those are my things. <laughs> That's wonderful. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm super excited to see what you do in the future online, offline, on TV, on move in movies. <laughs> I'm going to go find Dragon Blade. I want to see that now. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah. yeah. You'll like it. It's cool. It's an awesome story. You're on Instagram and Facebook, right? Yeah. I'm on Facebook as my, my name, Danny Stalay. Yeah. S-A-L-A-Y. Yeah. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Travel Man Dan. Yeah. And then my YouTube channel is Travel Man Dan. Travel Man Dan. And what's your website? My website is just dannysalay.com. Gotcha. And I use that like for acting and, yeah. and you know, you can see like a lot of acting things there. You can see some reels, headshots, different looks, and then you can, you know, hop over to my YouTube channel. I generally don't send a lot of people to my acting site that aren't in the acting business, but sure. you know, if you want to check it out, check it out. Thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been really super awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Three quick thank yous are definitely in order. Thank you to our guest, Danny Soleil. I feel blessed that we have met and I look forward to watching you and your career blossom. Also, a special thanks goes out to another creator, a music creator, also known as a musician, Damon Castillo in Central Coast, California in the U.S. He has graciously allowed us to use the background music that you're hearing. The instrumental version is what you're hearing in this podcast episode. The music is from The Mess of me album. The specific song is called Body Blues, and that's the one we're playing today. Uh, all of his music, concert info, and such can be found at Damon Castillo, that's C-A-S-T-I-L-L-O dot com. Again, it'll be down in the show notes. I'm going to play the entire Body Blues song with lyrics after this closing is over, so stay tuned for that. You're going to like it. If you are lucky enough to live in or have access to Central Coast California, you can actually see Damon and his band on tour this summer. A few of the dates coming up. August 2nd, he'll be concerts in the Plaza, San Luis Obispo, California. Now, the episode is being published on August 2nd in China time, so if you listen to it immediately, get to the end of the episode and rush to Central Coast California and you can make it to that one. If you want a little more time, August 31st is just Saturday. They are playing at Indian Summer Concert Sea Pines Golf Resort. On September 7th, also a Saturday, they're playing at Cottonwood Canyon Winery in Santa Maria, California. Again, DamonCastillo.com is his website. Also, they announced on their social media this week that their new single is out. It's called My Kind of Jam. It's only available on local radio stations. So again, if you have access to those local radio stations, I'm not going to pronounce them. There's a whole bunch of them. Then do, 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 you know, have a listen. And the rest of us will wait until it's available online. I will be definitely be one of the people to buy his new single. I love their music, which is the whole reason why we're using the music on the show. 
Thank you, Damon, for offering your music for this independent podcast. And of course, thank you to the listeners. It's because of you and your geeky interest in these topics that I continue to record these conversations that we're having with folks. I look forward to your feedback at Steph Fuccio, S-T-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O. If you haven't already been to the Weebly site, stephfuccio.weebly.com, you can sign up for our new Geopets newsletter. We have a newsletter. It is very visual with links, and I hope to figure out how to get sound and video on there if you would like to partake in that. But it is a multimedia experience, and it will come out once a week on Tuesdays, my time, late Mondays if you're in North America. So again, stephfuccio.weebly.com. You can sign up for the newsletter there. You can also get any and all information you would like on me and all of my creative projects, including Creatively Complicated, which is the other podcast episode that is out today. That is with my co-host, Summer Rylander, and we are talking about all things messy and creative, our own creative messiness. For more information on the other Geopet podcast shows, including Bookish Expats and Changing Scripts, you know where to go. Geopets.podbean.com. We're still in transition, moving everything over to that one site. It will all be done and pretty by International Podcast Day on September 30th, 2019. It looks like I will be, in fact, speaking at International Podcast Day, which is an online podcast conference, and it's open to everyone. There is absolutely no fee, and they intentionally stream the event for 30 hours in order to get people in multiple time zones. So I'll have more information about that as time goes on, and I'll try to get a a promo from Dave as well. But just know, International Podcast Day, that's what you should be Googling right now. September 30th is the date you should be marking in your calendar. Not just for me, folks, for the other wonderful content creators that are on there and that are just so lovely to share their time and projects with us. Thank you so much. More soon. Ain't it sad that you've never seen Just how beautiful life can be In fact, if I had to make a call I'd say you never seen yourself at all Just a flaw here and a flaw there When you're standing in your underwear Girl, you don't have to buy anything Confidence has always been free But I can see you alone in a room Wearing nothing but some sweet perfume That's why I'm here If you so choose to lose My, my, my your body blues Well, you're so hot And you don't even know it Girl, I love what you got Gonna teach you to show it If you're done with the lies See yourself through my eyes You've paid your dues Say goodbye to your body blues Well, I know 
Day blues. <laughs> 